0: Welcome to Talking Bass. Join bass angler Don Clark as he shares bass fishing knowledge of the Northwest.
1: Welcome aboard everybody as we get underway. Thank you for joining me in Talking Bass in PDX, your warm water forum as we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark and on this episode of Talking Bass in PDX, I will have Ryan Burnett. But before we talk to him, let me tell you a little bit about Talking Bass and PDX. The podcast is all about fishing in the Northwest, and if you enjoy listening, help us grow by telling your friends about the podcast, and that we can be heard on Spotify, Anchor FM, and now on iTunes. This week, I have a very special guest on the podcast. I have Ryan Brunette. Ryan actually sent me an email and we start talking about the fact that we could use fishing as therapy. But before we get to that, I just wanted to talk to Ryan a bit about his fishing experience and how he got into warm water fishing. Although Ryan grew up in the area, he was in the Marine Corps for four years, and I do appreciate his service. And he grew up fishing a lot on the Sandy River, as most of us know. The warm water fishing population has started to grow here in Portland and in the area, and Ryan switched over and started fishing a lot on the river, on the Willamette River, as a matter of fact. But I'd like to talk to him a little bit about how he started that career and how he got going fishing warm water fishing. Welcome to the show, Ryan.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Don.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting uh, way that we got together via an email, and we started talking about how to use uh, therapy for first responders. I'd like to talk to you more about that as we get into the interview, but I'd like to start off with uh, some of the questions that I usually like to ask. How did you get started in fishing uh, bass, and especially here in the area?
0: Well, as a kid, I grew up in Boring, Oregon. I'm sure most people are familiar with the east side, and I grew up fishing the clack and the sandy back in the 80s and 90s, steelhead, salmon fishing, back when most of the rivers had access and they were open everywhere. And uh, You know, I left for the Marine Corps, came back in the early two, late 90s, early 2000s, and, and just fishing wasn't the same. It was busy. Oregon started getting populated. So uh, as my career, as I transitioned from the Marine Corps, I became a police officer, Moved to Central Oregon, learned how to fish some bass over there from some teammates over wiki up and some of those High Lake Reservoirs over there. And as the years have gone by and I've settled my family down into Newburgh, the beautiful thing about Newburgh is we've got a beautiful boat launch right here in town and it's about a mile from my house. And, um, you know, I acquired a boat and uh, I started teaching myself how to get rid of my salmon and steelhead habits and transition that over to soft plastics and and crankbaits and some of these this bass techniques and I've just I've picked it up and I've just the last couple of years I've just really used it as therapy as a way to kind of uh you know as a law enforcement officer we see a lot of stuff and stuff gets crazy and, and boy it's a great way to just go out and be one with the river and on our most of us work 410 some of us work 12 hour shift and so on those days off I can get out on the river and just enjoy it and you know, bass. At least out here in the Willamette and parts that I fish, it, you're almost guaranteed to fish most days. Not all the time, but most of the time, you can go out and at least, at least find one. And uh, sometimes a lot of them. And it's just. It's, and I've got a neighbor that I fish with, and he's an avid bass fisherman. A boy. It's just something we enjoy to do multiple times a week if we can.
1: Well, now you, you started by talking about learning soft plastics. So, tell me more about how you experimented. How did you find out which plastics you liked, and, and which ones do you use?
0: Well, I'll tell you, when I learned how to bass fish or started watching it, a lot of it was, you know, we learn a lot by jumping on, watching TV shows. I mean, there's a lot of bass fishing stuff, lots of teaching forums and shows, Timmy Horton Outdoors, lots of shows that I can think of, and I I learned how to tie a simple Texas rig and a drop shot and some of these real basic rigs. And I went out. My boat, my first boat that I had, did not have a trolling motor on electric trolling motor, bow mount or or you know aft mount or anything. And so what I would do is I'd go get up in these pockets and I'd kind of float down these. I'd let just shut my motor off and I'd float down these areas and I'd bounce the bottom, bounce off structure, and all of a sudden we were into fish, a lot of fish. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so. As time progressed, you know, I learned. I spent more and more time learning about soft plastics and different brands, and not just the worm or the Senko style, but the craws, the bugs, the the creature baits, just all sorts of stuff. And, and you know, I, 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 I like crankbaits. I like some of the other baits. But boy, I'll tell you, there's just something about working the bottom of, of the river and feeling the bottom and really working it and fighting for that bite. And then when that bite's on, it's, uh, you know, pulling them up off the bottom. It's just something that I really enjoy.
1: Well, I can appreciate that because uh, I too fish the mid Willamette, upper Willamette, anything above the the falls. I really like to uh, to go and scout out and and fish, and and I also use a lot of plastics uh, also, and so that's my where my curiosity was was what's your
0: favorite colors? Right now, I, I like kind of a a green pumpkin. I've had really good luck on anything that's kind of dark green pumpkin with red. Uh, like kind of a watermelon flake i mean every company calls it something different Um, but i like a lot of red flake and a lot of that june bug a lot of that purple and blue flake um, depending on the day or the sun the sun that's out uh, i found great luck with those the other bait that i really like is uh the kvd rage tail craw Um, even the little ones and the big ones i've had great luck and anything that's green pumpkin with some type of flake and it seems to be a it seems to be or tubes, tubes as well. They seem to just uh, work great. Um, I like to fish anywhere between Newburg, Butteville, Wilsonville, mouth of the Malala, and those areas seem to those baits seem to work great in those areas. And um, I've just I've had great luck. Right now, my favorite, favorite, favorite way to fish. It took me a while to learn how to do it. Was is the Ned rig. Uh, I. I've been using kind of a June Bug color on the Ned rig, and it just, you know, went out last week with my neighbor. And between the two of us, been about a, I think we were out for four or five hours. I think we put over 20 on the boat. We lost at least that many, it seems. But we've had really good luck with that June Bug color or anything Red Flake.
1: Well, it's really interesting that you that you bring up the Ned rig, and the Ned rig dates back to the the 50s, and uh, originally uh, it was started and then uh, kind of died off and now with the some of the new colors that have come out uh... it is making a resurgence like crazy and for whatever reason uh... on the willamette in those i say shallow i i'm talking down to twenty feet coming across the bottom the Ned rig is is phenomenal because it's really a do nothing rig you just pull it across the bottom and uh... that little bit of a movement that it has unulation if you want to call it that uh, it just drives the bass crazy, and uh, I have very good luck with it. As a matter of fact, so
0: my neighbor, he's he's really uh, my neighbor Tim. I'll give him a shout out. He's uh, he's also a former law enforcement officer. and I'm sure he'll listen to the show, and he'll he'll try to brag that he outfishes me most of the time, and sometimes he does. But uh, he he really liked that wacky worm. Lot, sometimes weightless or just a little bit of weight on top of a on a hook on wacky worm, and he really started kind of finesse fishing. And then I'm watching him catch fish, and I'm not catching anything, and I kind of got sour on a little bit. And, uh, and then he switched over to Ned Rig, and we went out. Oh, this is probably, I don't know, a month or so ago. And he, we went out, and he caught eight or ten fish, and I caught nothing. And I didn't even have a bite. And I'm fishing my Texas rig and drop shot and trying these different things, and he's out there with this Ned Rig. And so I'm trying it, and I'm just not getting it. I'm not liking it. I'm not feeling it. It's not what I'm used to. And then in his infinite wisdom, he says, man, you just got to slow down, work that bait underneath there, hop it up and down, you know, and he goes, you don't need anything, you don't need a big presentation because he goes, I'm catching them on little one-and-a-half-inch, two-and-a-half-inch chunks of cut-up Sankos here, and he goes, and he's just nailing them. And so um, I actually bought a different rod to try out. I decided that uh, one thing I've learned about bass is that, uh, especially with the Ned rigs, is the bite can be, a little bit soft they like to nibble a little bit and then they'll choke it and so I I moved from a medium heavy spinning rod seven foot spinning rod that I was using down to a medium light spinning rod a six foot nine and all of a sudden uh, I'm feeling the bite a lot more and I'm working that braid and I'm keeping my finger on the line I picked up a few tips and all of a sudden I'm going out and I'm catching six seven eight ten fish and so now I'm just super excited on this rig. it's just been it's been a great producer
1: well, it's it's very interesting to hear your education on rods in line and that kind of thing because it takes time and you have to uh, find out what works for you. I'm more of a six foot six rod type guy and I like mine uh, medium to light because I like to watch the line. If the line moves, somebody's down there. So yep. as you get if you gain more experience, you'll you'll probably change even a little bit more. Um, what type of rod and reel did you buy?
0: Um, I'm actually using so I I typically like lose. Uh, I I've just been using lose Mach two speed spools, um, the different lose products over the last year, um, and I actually just bought a Abu Garcia. I think uh, I think it's the Veritas or Veritas or I forget what they call it. I. I got the, I think it's a six foot nine medium light, and it is, it's been a game changer because I was on a seven foot lose medium heavy, which I like for drop shotting and some other rods. It's been great, but this rod, the second that I switched over from a medium heavy to a medium light, I'm feeling a lot more, and I'm, I was probably getting the same amount of bites or was in there in the zone the last time, but wasn't quite feeling it. And now, with a different rod, and my, and my neighbor is actually the one that taught me that because he switched over from a, a medium heavy um, six, six, six or 7 foot, whatever he was using, spinning rod to a, for finesse fishing down to a, a. He's got an old a beautiful old original G. Loomis 7 foot uh, medium light spinning rod. And once he switched over, he started catching fish. I'm going, okay, there's something to this. And I thought, well, what the heck, I'll try this. And then as soon as I moved to a medium light on the Ned Rig, it was it was game on, it, it, and it's just it's been great ever since. So, I love yeah. my bait casters, but uh, there's something to be said for a nice medium light rod with a Ned rig on it. So,
1: yeah, and you'll 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 begin to get your favorites and, and that type of thing. But I will tell you, a real uh, G Loomis, the and I've met Gary Loomis uh, several times. A real one um, has so much feel to it that. Uh, you can get out fished and not even know why be, because they're they 're <laughs> feeling they 're yeah. just feeling the, the the bite better and and the fish on the malamet can be uh, they can be kind of finicky about how they bite because they don 't necessarily just take off and run they will sit there with the bait in their mouth for a bit, so it can be it can be very different now you 've been fishing the malamet for a bit now do you like the the spring fishing or do you like fall better or do you have a have a preference?
0: You know, I had, you know, last year was great. This year we, of course, with the, with the COVID crisis, we missed a lot of that spring window. At least I did. I, I don't, I didn't have a private way to access the river. Um, I did get out there in my pontoon a little bit, put in St. Paul and fished up kind of by mission bar in that St. Paul area. But I didn't, I kind of missed the spring bite this year. We did do some fishing out at Heg Lake when it was open. Um, you know, I, I'm having really good luck right now. Last fall, uh, we put in a lot, we fished all the way up until about November and had, until it was time to winterize the boat and had pretty good luck. I, I you know, I really don't have a, a favorite time of year. I know a lot of guys like a certain topwater this or that or cranks in the fall and different ways they fish. But for me, it's really just about getting out of my boat, spending time with my, with my buddies. And, you know, we kind of like to make some friendly wagers. We take our kids out with us often. And, you know, often, often when I take my, my daughter and my wife, they end up out fishing me. It's just kind of the way it works when I take the girls out on the boat. Um, and it's, it's really, for me, it's more about just being out on the water. Uh, Tim and I were out, <clears throat> I think it was last week or the week before, and uh, it was when we had those couple days of that heavy summer June rain. And uh, we stood out there for three hours in the pouring down rain in our, in our frog togs and our gear, and, you know, we didn't even care. We just didn't even care because, you know what, we said – a uh, uh, good, uh, bad day of fishing still better than a good day at work. So <laughs> we're just out there to enjoy the river, no matter what.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's great. I mean, any time that you can get out and just enjoy the the outdoors and the and the air and the river, hey, that's that's a good time. Yep. But yep. I did want to I did want to transition over to what uh, our emails were back and forth about. And, and Ryan is a listener of the podcast, and and so. Uh, as we were writing back and forth, and we were talking about the fact that uh, you're a first responder. And, again, I appreciate your your service. But we started talking about using fishing as, as therapy. And it was an interesting topic to me because I've done it in the past where you take the boat out and you're really not trying to catch any fish. You're just trying to get away from all the stresses of life. And, I mean, it can be anything from work to Anything you know? So I wanted you to talk a little bit about how you use fishing uh, as a stress relief.
0: Sure. Well, for me, I've always been kind of a competitive guy, and in law enforcement, it's a very high-stress job, and we see a lot of things and a lot of bad things, and especially what's going on uh, right now. I mean, we're in the worst crisis we've been in law enforcement, at least in my. I'm going on 20 years this fall, and so. Um, The last couple of years, you know, I was into sports and fitness and bodybuilding for a few years and I've always been a BMX racer since I was a kid. My kids race BMX. We love to be out on the bicycle track, but I really needed something that was more, uh, low speed, kind of low stress instead of the big competitive sports. And so I took a big look back and I said, man, when I was a kid, when I was a young man, I used to just love to get down the river and we'd go fishing and duck hunting and, and do all these things. And I thought, I'm going to get out back. I live a mile from the river. Why don't I have a boat? I live here in New Bergen. So we got a boat, and it became a deal where, you know, the kids would be in school. Uh, I You know, I got midweeks off. Often I get the, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays off, which is nice because there's nobody on the river. It's real quiet. It's real peaceful, even in the summertime even. And I just decided that I told my wife, I said, look, this is my way of – uh, just unwinding and trying to clear my head from the from the stressful work week that we've had, and she she respects that. And sometimes I take the kids out, sometimes I take a boatload of people out, but often it's just me and a buddy, usually a law enforcement buddy. Um, I like to get them out there and just say, hey, today it's not even about how many fish we catch; it's just about being out, spending some fellowship out on the river, and just enjoying this beautiful, uh, you know, natural creation that we have out here. And let's just let's just enjoy each other's company. And so, um, you know, I, I think a lot of guys, I, I respect the tournament guys, love them. I think it's great. I love watching it. But oftentimes bass fishing guys, are it's a real serious gig, a lot like some of these golfers take it real seriously or other sports. And I've decided instead of taking it real serious like that, I'm just going to go out and just slow way down, And enjoy it for what it is and that's just spending time on the river and i found it is it's just the ultimate therapeutic uh release for me or a getaway for me especially when i only have to drive you know one mile to the boat launch and within 15 minutes of leaving my house i'm on the river i'm down river i'm down towards butteville and i'm having there's not there's not a boat around for miles it's been great, especially during COVID too. It's been nice to get out and get away from all the, the, the chaos of the T V and the media and everything else. So
1: Well, and that's you know, that's so important because um, everybody who, who works and there's a, a tremendous number of us, you know, the stress from all the things that are going on, and some of them are not even work related, I mean it's just environmental, you know, like you mentioned the COVID nineteen thing. You just can't get away from it. There's just times when taking your boat out or even just going over to a a bank area and throwing a line in the water and not worrying about what else is going on, but watching that line can be so helpful. So send a little shout out there to the um, first responders and to everybody who's, you know, essential workers and that kind of thing who's been really working hard that, you know, fishing is not a tough sport. It's not, you don't have to be super physically fit. Of course, you you know, you you, sh- you should do some walking and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's just a great stress relief to go out and and use it to uh, just take a breath, you know, that kind of thing. You know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you, Ryan, I, I was looking through my list here of stuff, and I do you do any other, other type of warm water fishing? Do you go for uh, crappie or bluegill or anything like that?
0: We do, yeah. We've uh, done some of that. I love, believe it or not, I caught a net rig on a, or I caught a catfish on a net rig the other day. That was a that was a first. Um, I do do some plunking for some catfish out on the Willamette. There's days when I just go out and we anchor up and we'll sink worms down there for some catfish. We do, um, there's some places around St. Paul, uh, some ponds, Mission Creek Reservoir, some other places that are excellent for crappie for bluegill uh i do like to get i do like to leave the big boat at home sometimes and just get out of my pontoon and hit mission creek reservoir Uh, i have access to another private pond down here that's on some people's property that's full of fish and uh, sometimes i'll go out there and we'll have a little crappie derbies if if you will my my neighbor's real good at doing the crappie fish crappie fishing and he's he's taught me some things about it um you know it's it's a the way I look at it is as long as I'm catching fish, I really don't care what it is if I'm having fun. Uh, now I say that because as a salmon and steelhead guy growing up taking the drift boat down the clack on the Sandy, as time has gone on, I found that it takes a lot of hours to put in and you might get one fish if you're lucky or even a takedown. And so um, I found that bass fishing or warm water fishing in general, generally you can go out and target them. The other thing that I've really enjoyed doing with my, Kids, this year, uh when when COVID hit, river access was shut down, and I thought, well, this, what am I going to do? I can't get out on the Willamette. I can't get my boat out. I can't go bass fishing. So I actually bought some Kokanee rods, and I had some bait casters, some old Abu Garcia 5000s, and I strung them up. and We went and got a, I went and got a trolling plate for my boat, and we went out to Hag Lake a lot. and Boy, did we catch a lot of trout this year! And we'd have i mean we caught we my daughter and i went out on a day where we went trolling for trout we were out there for for two hours we caught about 15 fish we kept the the 10 best and each one of them was over 17 inches so that made a fun day too because it was just like a trout derby i mean as every time the flashers went down with rods were getting bent over so i do a little bit of trout fishing too it's it's fun to do with the kids i've got a four-year-old so sometimes he's not uh it's just easier to kind of troll around sometimes and wait for the rod to go down so I can pick it up and hand it over to him and let him reel it in versus him trying to cast a million times. I think I've, I've bought four or five Shakespeare mini rods this year, and each one of them have ended up in the bottom of the Willamette because my four-year-old, you know, after about the fifth cast, he just tosses it out in the river. So, you know, with kids too, sometimes trout fishing can be easy, and it's, again, as long as I'm catching, I'm having a great time. It's just therapy for us.
1: Well, and you know, I think sometimes, that, uh, especially younger folks, they want they want something to happen. You know, they they want some fish to hit hit the bait. And you know, bass fishing you know can sometimes take a little looking and poking around. So I I can understand his his frustration. Um, now, one of the things that that uh, I was going to kind of recommend to you uh, in the fall, around uh, late September October. Uh, you do want to go back up to Hag Lake and head up to the dam, especially with the kids, uh, fish in 20 feet of water with uh, just worms on the bottom, and you will get more um, bluegill than you'll know what to do with. I mean, we don't keep any of them, but when we've got little kids in the boat with us, uh, we go up and we do an event up there actually uh, in September. And uh, if you don't catch 10 an hour, 20 an hour, then you're not in the right spot. So... Just a little tip there for you, if you want to take
0: yeah, the kids fishing. That's great. Right. I do enjoy fall fishing up there. In fact, uh, we took two boats out in October. I think it was October sixteenth, if I remember the day correctly, this last year. And we took two boats. There was five or six of us, all of us law enforcement officers. Three or f- three of the guys didn't even fish at all, and we kind of took them out to show them, hey, we can have a great time, and this can be a therapeutic day. And we trolled back and forth all day long, and I think between the two boats, we had 35 or 38 trout, and we turned a couple of guys on to fishing that were just, it's just not their thing, they didn't even have equipment, but they came out, and I mean, they're still talking about, they're like, hey, do you remember that trip we took last October, that was one of the funnest days I've ever had with the fellas, and I thought, yeah, and again, it doesn't take a lot of, uh, something you touched on earlier that I'd love to touch on is, you know, we don't need expensive equipment, I mean, you can go to Bimart and buy stuff or Walmart and buy a cheap rod and reel and cheap stuff. And if you do a little bit of research, it doesn't take uh, a whole lot of, of uh, expensive stuff to get out there and really catch fish. I mean, I've caught some of my biggest fish on some of my junkiest rods and reels just, you know, by chance. So uh, it's not always about brand, although I do like a certain feel and a certain rod and reel. But I encourage people I got friends that call me and they go, well, I got these old rods and reels and I'm not sure about them. And I say, hey, dude, let, use them. Let's just put line on them. Let's go use them. There's no need to buy anything. Let's just go out and they go out and catch fish on them and and they're having they're having the time of their lives and they didn't realize that the stuff they've had in their garage for 20 years is still usable. I mean, it's it still works and it still catches fish.
1: Well, and that's that's one of the things that I've always advocated to people. I mean, certainly as you get better at We'll say bass fishing, or any tech fishing for that matter. You're gonna want a little bit more expensive uh, gear or or better uh, so that you can so that you can feel the fish more. But honestly, I have a nineteen fifty four Zebco thirty three rod and reel. And I bought it at a garage sale. I put new line on it, I have fished it. Um, do I particularly like the feel of it? No, it's like fishing with a, with a, with a steel rod, but it can catch fish. And I have caught, I have caught fish on it. So you're right. Anybody that wants to go fishing, if they've got a rod and a reel in the, in the garage, no matter what it looks like, they should put some new line on it and, uh, you know, rig it up and, and go out there, you know, not far from, um, from Newburgh is the St. Louis Ponds. And if somebody doesn't have a boat and they want, uh good access to seven ponds with a variety of fish in it um that's certainly a great spot to go to uh it is a little bit busy at times so you do have to kind of pick and choose your time but if you're off during the week certainly that's a that's a great place to go because you can fish all seven uh ponds and it's um it's it's just a nice place to go uh there's also a woodburn pond uh I haven't had much luck off the shore, have had luck if, if you have a pontoon boat. So that's another yeah. that's another spot. Do you have any favorite spots out in your area that are ponds?
0: Yeah, so Mission Creek Reservoir, uh, and I'm not afraid to give up spots because I love to share stuff, uh, that's in St. Paul. It's off of Bysire Road, and it's, it's a long, public access off of a gravel road off by sire road and we like to drag our pontoons but and i do bank fish from time to time down there sometime hour before work i'll just run down there and throw a line in real quick um in the summer i discovered it a couple summers ago when i went down there because i'm watching guys catch massive massive carp i mean huge carp and they're throwing dough balls or corn down there and so it's an easy place to just go down and you don't need anything Expensive, I take just a small little uh, backpack full of a few tackle items, maybe one or two rods with me, and, and uh, you know, I'll fish for carp for a while or I'll try fishing bass. I've caught some little largemouth off the, you know, skipping a jig or something off, off the bank down there. There is some other ponds that I do have some access to down here privately on some private property that i fished. And I do, I've taken the kids out to St. Louis. I typically will do that in the summer. I'll take them out midweek when it's not too crowded. My daughter's caught in plenty of trout out there. In fact, every time we go out there, we plunk power balls and she ends up catching four or five fish and I catch nothing. So she's, she's got it down. She's got the St. Louis ponds down. I, I can't seem to have much luck out there, but, um, yeah, we'll do a little bit of pond fishing from, from time to time. And, um, You know, we enjoy it. Um, It's a little tough with a four-year-old, though, because they get a little up a little too close, and they want to just jump in, so i got to kind of hold him back a little bit, and he gets a little little restless. The boat's a little easier to contain him. But, uh, you know, my neighbor Tim and I, we do get out. We do take our pontoons out. We actually do sometimes go out to Hag Lake and leave the big boat at home, and we'll put in right there uh boat launch there forget the name of it the one where the sheriff's boat is there and we'll just go up in the creeks up there and we'll just fish for bass for a couple hours and just enjoy each other's company on our pontoon boats and just leave the big boat at home um so i do like some of that small water fishing too i do enjoy that
1: well just for reference the first um boat ramp there where the sheriff does keep their boat is boat ramp a now i don't know if it actually actually has a name or not i just know it by boat ramp a and most folks who go up there would know uh that boat ramp if you go all the way around the lake and you get to the other boat ramp that's boat ramp c um i don't know where b is Uh, i've often thought about that but uh, it's a and c so um yeah
0: i don't don't know either and we have put in at c quite a bit fish sand creek and had some luck up there uh, fishing bass in the grass up there. And, and, uh, you know, believe it or not, I've had luck on my pontoon boat. So the pontoon boats, you know, they go slow. i am I'm an older guy. I'm in my forties now. Some people may say, well, you're still young, but I don't like to row as much as I used to. So I got the little Minn Kota little 30 thrust on the back. And, and, and my rule is, is if I'm on the water, I need to have a rod in the water. So if I'm moving from spot to spot, when I'm out there, I'm trolling, I'm usually trolling, a. uh, some type of plug or crankbait. And I have caught more bass uh, just moving across from area to area, just just trolling a crankbait off the side of my pontoon. But I look down and my rod's bending over I'm going, oh, there's a fish, you know. <laughs> so believe it or not, I've, I've actually trolled for bass and caught quite a few too.
1: Well, And one of the things I wanted to mention to you, if you check the Oregon Bass and Panfish website, that will give you all the state records of fish that have been caught. And the state... Bullhead catfish has come out of um, Hag Lake. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been several years ago now, and at one point, I don't believe it's true now, but at one point, the smallmouth bass record fish for the state of Oregon had come out of um Hag Lake. Also, I believe it's been uh, changed now in the past couple of years or so, but. Uh, yeah, one time they, that that particular body of water has uh, really given up some nice fish. So continue to continue to work it, and it and it will uh, it will produce some fish for you. We Go
0: plan on getting the kids out there as much as possible this fall and this summer. You know you know Hag Lake can get a little a uh, little crazy in the summertime with the wakeboarding boats and and uh, actually starting here. For those bass fishermen, those guys like me that get a little perturbed. I mean, I want people to enjoy their their water sports and stuff, but uh, the wakeboarding boats and wake surf boats can be a little much. I've actually been thrown off my boat once, uh, you know, up on the bow fishing. But uh, I think in July 1st, the Oregon State Marine Board changed the rules on where uh, towed water sports can actually happen in the Newburgh Pool between Westland. and and Newburgh. So uh, I've got some great spots now that I know that wakeboarding boats aren't going to be through there. So actually, I might even enjoy some weekend fishing where I know I'm not going to get a ton of water traffic. There'll still be water traffic, but I'm not going to get the big wake surf boats. And it's nothing against those guys per se. Sometimes, actually, believe it or not, if we were down fishing, I'm sure you know this area, the mouth of the Malala down there, that bluff across there. And every time a wakeboarding boat went by the other day, it would stir up the stir up the water against the shore and the fish would get real active and about every time a wakeboarding boat went by we, both my neighbor and i would double header, and we put a we put a fish on the net rig <laughs> so sometimes i guess there's advantage of a boat going by
1: yes so i actually was on a um a committee for the oregon state marine board this past year as they made a decision to change the um the areas so if you see the buoys out there um at the bridge at 219 all the way to Shampooey Park is now an area where they allow uh, wake um, surfing. And I believe wakeboarding can go on, uh, skiing can go on throughout the entire body of water. But um, and then they moved the the other area away from the mouth of the Malala. And I believe they started it uh, down by there's an area down by the by the uh, by Rock Island now. But if you see the buoys down uh, in those areas, those are uh, where they are now allowing that type of thing, so it should ease up some of the uh, some of the wake and, and some of the waves that they' that were being caused and I think it'll make it a little easier on fishermen uh generally most of us get out on the water early and and um, you know by the yep. time the by the time that the ski boats and tow boats are coming out we're usually we're usually done so, by yeah. the time of the day. So hopefully that'll ease it up for, for some of you that are out a little longer on the water, though. Did you
0: have any other comments? Uh, you know, I just want to encourage people. Um, I'm a regular guy, and, uh, I you know, I don't fish tournaments. I don't do a lot of the big stuff, and I respect all the guys that do. But a message to the regular guys just go out, learn how to fish, flip on my outdoor TV, watch, watch, watch some tournaments, watch some TV shows, listen to podcasts like this, listen to your guys, ask questions, learn how to fish. One thing I've learned about uh, bass fishermen over the years is a lot of guys don't want to give up their spots, but the other thing I've learned is that I've never not really gone out on the Willamette and not caught fish, uh, sometimes not always the big ones. Uh, but I, you know, we went out the other day and caught 20, 20 fish. Most of them were uh, 10 inches. a couple all the way up to maybe 13, 14 inches. but we're catching fish. And I don't, I'm all about just getting out there, sharing spots with people because I want them to go out and enjoy. And we don't harvest fish. Uh, we don't keep bass. We throw them back. Uh, Kudos to those people that do. I'm not a big believer in it, but, uh, uh, you know, we throw them all back so that there's more fish to catch the next time we go out there. And I tell guys, use your use your basic stuff. You can buy tackle at, at Buy-Mart. I know I do. There's stuff that you can use and learn how to learn how to you know use your use your YouTube, use your podcast, uh, educate yourself. All the information you could ever need uh, is available at your fingertips, and all you need to do is just translate that in, go out and get experience. Uh, it's what I've done. I've been kind of self-taught on bass. I grew up, again. I grew up. I grew up pulling plugs on the Clackamas and the Sandy and drift fishing for steelhead, but it's nothing like bass fishing. And I've taught myself how to fish for bass over the last, uh, really the last four or five years. I mean, i learned it years ago, but really got good at it the last couple, two, three years. And, you know, my neighbor and I, we each go out and we try something different. He'll throw a net, I throw this. And we find something, we'll find that pattern until it works, and then we start experimenting with it. So, I tell the regular guys, go out and enjoy. I don't care if you're fishing worms and plunking on the bottom. It doesn't matter. Just get out, enjoy the river, enjoy it, what it's there for, and use it as therapy. Just shut the rest of the world off, shut the news, shut the media, shut all that stuff off, and go out there and just enjoy God's big creation of that river and just enjoy yourselves. And I think that when when guys do that, guys and gals do that, families do that, I think that they'll find that when they take the stress off themselves of having to just absolutely target fish, that they're going to end up finding them. They, they'll just find them, and they'll have a good time. And if not, they're learning along the way.
1: Well, and that that is great information. And I also kind of wanted to chime in on something that you just said because I have promoted this throughout the podcast. And I'm not saying that you can't harvest fish because we do. Uh, especially if you if you injure one, you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't put a fish back in the water if it's not going to make it. Game fish are just too valuable to be caught once, and I picked that up from uh someone who said that back in nineteen thirty six so i mean they've they've been promoting it for a long time. I've been promoting it on this podcast, and I hope everybody will think about that when they've when they've got a really nice fish and you know they they want pictures of it they want to show it off That's great. Take care of it when it's out of the water and then put it back and let's catch it again.
0: Hey, one question I wanted to ask for you was okay. if, you, if you had to pick – my Tim and I were talking about this, my my fishing partner. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one spot that was within, oh, let's say an hour to eh, maybe even two hours away from Newburgh, a mm-hmm. uh, body of water that you could go bass fish, where would it be? And my suggestions were maybe Green Peter or Fern Ridge or something. But what if you just had to pick a day and you said, I don't have any itinerary, I'm going to go fish this body of water. Where would you go?
1: If I could only pick one body of water, and it was going to be an hour to an hour and a half away, I would go fish the Multnomah Channel. And the reason that I would fish the Multnomah Channel is because you can put in at Scapoose Bay. It's a nice mm-hmm. nice place to put in. I think it costs $5. And I would go up the Multnomah Channel, and I would go fish my way along until I got to uh, Coon Island. And Coon Island, if you're headed up and you're going 20, 25 miles an hour in a boat, you're going to be about a 15-minute boat ride, maybe maybe 20-minute boat ride. Of course, you can go up further, and there's a lot of uh, boat houses and things to fish around, but there's no need to really go up that far. But you could potentially catch 10 different species in that water, all the warm water fish that you can think of, so both kinds of bass, uh, both white and black, black crappie. You can catch bullhead and channel catfish. You can catch a pumpkin seed. You could catch a perch. You could catch a, um, all, all ten. Uh, I don't know if I named them all or not, but you could you could start fishing literally right in the um, uh, the bay there and work your way around. And you don't need anything special for walleye. You just get up by Coon Island and drag a plug along the bottom, let it bang along the bottom, you'll you'll catch something up there. Uh, so that, that's where I would go. Well, Ryan, it has been great talking to you today, and this was um, kind of fun, just get a listener on and talk about fishing here in the Northwest. I appreciate your time, and I know that you're busy and, and uh, need to get going. But I'd like to thank everybody for joining me on Talking Bass in PDX. And this has been Don Clark. And I'll catch you on the backcast.